Welcome to the Radio Plasma Podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. And we're going to talk today about promesa. Yes, a word that is really conflictive and problematic for Puerto Rico. And for that purpose, I want to welcome today someone who has been there and is going to tell an important story about what's going on in Puerto Rico. I want to welcome Michelle Falcón and Natalie Vicencio. Thank you for being here and welcome. Thank you for having us. Gracias, Johan. Gracias por invitarnos. So, Michelle, you are the creator of this documentary called Promesa. Yes, I am. Promesa is a word, like I was uh, saying just a few moments, that for Puerto Rico means a lot of problems. It's the consequence of years of neglection and abuse of power, putting the island on this economical decline that now, with the stroke of Hurricane Maria, unleashed the monster and brought up a really unexplainable attempt to fix the problem by taking measures that are even more absurd. This is just to give you an idea of the situation in a nutshell, but of course, it's way much more complicated than this. So, Michelle, before getting into the documentary, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, sure. <laughs> um, so I'm actually a Holyoke resident, born and raised here. I also graduated from Hampshire College. I'm a photographer and filmmaker, but I've also done a bunch of work around the community, mostly with youth work and um, human services. And as a filmmaker, you went to Puerto Rico. I did. How this idea came up? So I was actually inspired, I think it was in 2016, when my abuela and my titi's house was actually at risk to get repossessed by the bank. Um, and so I was already hearing a bunch of stories um, from different family members that this was happening across the island. So actually, one thing that really made me want to go down on the island was the fact that my aunt actually had talked with my mother about possibly coming on to or moving to Holyoke. And this was something that she never discussed before. Like she always refused that she would be in the U.S. And so that hit me once she said that she was like thinking about coming over here. From that moment, I realized that it was something that was major that was happening, and I felt the necessity to go down there and actually capture the stories of people, of people's voices, people's experiences, because what was being streamed on the media was just PR has all this debt, right? And how is PR going to pay for it? And oh, uh, well, Puerto Ricans were the ones who created this debt. They're lazy, and that's why we have this amount of debt. And so people weren't really, people's stories weren't being told during that time, and I felt that there was a void. And so I honestly felt that I should be able to use my tool as a filmmaker and to help in the way that I knew best. And it's really problematic to try to start explaining the situation where, yes, the perception of Puerto Rican people being lazy and being the reason why the island is in this big debt, when it's consequence of the system itself and consequence of the corruption of the people in power that continues year after year and term by term making magic, disappearing all funding, 
and putting the island in the situation that currently is. Right. And I still see that happening today. And that's part of the reason why I wanted the film to be screened again, was because people are, are thinking that PR is in this state because of Hurricane Maria. Well, no, PR had a crisis beforehand. And not only, yes, it was um, the corruption in the Puerto Rican government, but also the United States also had their hands in that mess too. And so let's talk about that. Let's shine light on that. And let's shine light on what this colonial relationship is and why we're in the state that we're in right now. So when you went to Puerto Rico, what were the places that you were visiting? What was your experience creating this film? So I actually had a lot of challenges before going into PR. I, I had a lot through, during the pre-production phase. I had contacted people based on articles that I had read. And so everything was confirmed beforehand. And when I got to the islands, no one responded. Every single person that I contacted, no one responded. Um, and so I actually met an activist group during a festival that I attended. It's called El Campamento Contra la Junta, which was perfect. They actually were the people that I wanted to contact, but I never got a chance to really um, touch base with them through social media. Through there, I just met with the leaders, and they connected me with three different activists from different backgrounds. One was a actually two were students. Um, one was a struggling artist. And so they, I thought they were a perfect mix because they gave different experiences from living on the island. Um, I focused more of my efforts on the San Juan Atore area because that's where El Campamento was. Right now they no longer exist. They're actually in Caguas doing, helping with different other efforts. But I mostly try to capture their stories in their homes and also throughout the protest. Um, and I also featured my abuelas and my aunts stories in that mix because I felt that because they inspired me, I felt like if I needed to also incorporate that and actually show people the family side of things, that you're not only just affecting individuals, but you're affecting a whole family. Were your abuela uh, also in the metro area of San Juan? My abuela is located in Umacao, so... Okay. So this is going still on the east side of the island, but going south. Exactly. And actually, that was one of the areas that was mostly impacted through Hurricane Maria. Um, thankfully, we were the fortunate ones that um, my aunt has a new place now in Caguas. But we, are, we also are aware that a lot of families don't have that, right? They're not as fortunate as our families. And so I want this to be an opportunity to shine light to those families that weren't as fortunate as my abuela. After you were able to document and capture these stories and this narrative, how do you feel with the result, what is now Promesa, your film piece? That's an interesting question because I actually created this a year and a half ago. So as a filmmaker, I still cringe at some moments because it's, it's something, it's my very first documentary. And so I understand that it's, I've grown a lot throughout this year and a half as a filmmaker, but I'm still proud of it um, because I feel like if I really captured the essence of what I wanted people to actually feel, feel what, what people's struggles were. And so that's part of the reason, again, why we're presenting it right now in Holyoke, because I still feel like there's a need. People need to become more aware of where this started. When was presented originally? It was in, presented in Hampshire College um, actually a year ago in May. 
So a year after, and now with the after effect of Maria, this narrative in a way changes, but at the same time remains even more valid than before because, like we were saying, is a consequence, the status of the island is a consequence of years and years of a system that is not working. And now, even before Maria struck, this junta, promesa, trying to make changes and make things better by actually making, making things worse. Exactly. I also went down in November with a friend um, after Hurricane Maria because I also felt like it was, I did donate, but I also wanted to see with my own eyes and continue this documentary or part of this work and capturing people's stories. And what I found was the same thing. People were complaining about that um, schools were being shut down or hospitals were still not up and running. They didn't have access to food. And most importantly is that they were leaving because of lack of jobs, because of lack of opportunities. Hence, fast forward now, this is why we're producing this fundraiser for entrepreneurs on the island. We would be um, allocating mini grants to them in hopes to help them in support services, which would be like marketing, um, social media management, um, if they wanted to renovate or re repair anything of their facility. So kind of supporting people that are still trying to make it out there and trying to make it um, a place where they could stay and not have to leave like many thousands of islanders had to. So we are gonna have the great opportunity of seeing Promesa, a film by Michel Falcon during this week, uh, the beginning of May 2018 at Holyoke Community College. And there are two screenings scheduled, right? Yes, there are two screenings on May 2nd. Um, we will be screening it from 11 to 12.15 at the Leslie Phillips Theater at Holy Community College. And then the following day, we will be screening it from 6.30 to 8.30 um, at the Holy Public Library, and there will also be food and beverages there. So both events will, will follow a panel discussion with two of the activists that were featured in the film. And the reason why we wanted to bring the activists now is to gain the, their perspective as to what's happening now after Maria, right? And I feel it's a little bit of a different feeling when not only are you seeing someone's life in the screen, but you also get to ask them questions and hear from them personally. Which gets me thinking, this could be material for a follow-up documentary. <laughs> yes, it definitely could. I think that we will, especially with our fundraiser, Our goal is to also gain the stories of the grantees, so have kind of like a before and after snapshot on Facebook so people can, the people who are donating can see their impacts, right? The impact of the funding and how it helped individuals and families out and businesses on the island. And now I would like to switch a little bit to Spanish, especially thinking about the families that are here in Holyoke coming from Puerto Rico y las familias que se encuentran en este momento residiendo en Holyoke como consecuencia de los estragos del huracán María, es muy importante que sepamos quiénes son y qué es lo que están viviendo. Y la oportunidad de poder ver el documental Promesa de Michelle Falcón se convierte entonces en un seguimiento de lo que ya de por sí ha venido ocurriendo por muchos años en Puerto Rico, pero que también se convierte ahora en testimonio de lo que está ocurriendo actualmente en la isla, pero también lo que está ocurriendo actualmente en Holyoke. 
por parte de la gente que tuvo que dejar la isla y trasladarse aquí y tener que comenzar de nuevo desde cero sin siquiera saber si este comienzo tiene una continuación. Y es muy importante que cuando estemos presentes, en, sobre todo pensando en la presentación del día 3 de mayo en la Biblioteca Pública de Holyoke, que las familias que puedan asistir reciban también el apoyo moral, inclusive esta interconexión entre la gran familia que somos en Holyoke, independientemente de dónde seamos originarios. Así es. Y poder hacerles sentir que ellos están aquí, nosotros estamos aquí por ellos, y todo lo que podamos hacer para seguirles ayudando es la razón por la cual estamos todos aquí. Y yo creo que esto también se extiende mucho hacia todo el trabajo y esfuerzo que organizaciones como Enlace de Familias, Nueva Esperanza y el trabajo de muchos líderes comunitarios en Holyoke han estado haciendo para ayudar, apoyar y encontrar formas de que los puertorriqueños en Holyoke puedan tener un significado distinto de lo que la palabra promesa quiere decir. De hecho, eh, Natalie, a propósito de esta situación, hace tan solo eh, un par de días tuviste a cabo una actividad en la que tuviste el apoyo de gente de la comunidad ayudando a familias puertorriqueñas a hacer el papeleo y todos los trámites de, de cómo mantener los servicios y el apoyo oficial y que no se pierdan en el sistema. Así es, de hecho, eh, es interesante la manera en que ocurrió porque eh, yo no estoy trabajando directamente con ninguna organización de vivienda en esta área. Yo en este momento codirijo una agencia de vivienda justa, pero los servicios que provee mi agencia están localizados en el sudeste de Massachusetts y en Rhode Island. Pero como llevo más de 14 años trabajando en esta área de lo que es la vivienda y leyes de vivienda, he tenido el privilegio ¿verdad? y la oportunidad de trabajar con diferentes entidades de vivienda en esta región. Entonces, eh, Stephanie, Stephanie Escobar me llamó personalmente para decirme, ella es, ella es colombiana, nos conocemos de hace muchos años, eh, para decirme que ella estaba teniendo entrevistas con padres desplazados de la isla, con familias desplazadas, eh, donde sus hijos están estudiando aquí en Holyoke, en las escuelas públicas de Holyoke. Y me dijo que estas familias estaban teniendo dificultad obteniendo vivienda. Y ella quería saber si yo podía de alguna manera ayudar. Entonces, en ese momento yo dije, bueno, este, yo puedo reunirme con estas familias y ver qué mismo es lo que está pasando. Al reunirme con estas familias, identifiqué que hay dos factores que están causando que estas familias todavía no estén estables. El primer factor es muy triste, es la discriminación por su origen nacional y racial. Entonces, eh, el segundo factor es la discriminación por tener un vale de vivienda, o lo que se llama en inglés un voucher, a housing voucher. Entonces, al yo entrevistar a estas familias, y cada una fue entrevistada por separado, pude identificar que eso era lo que tenían en común. Que a pesar de que estas familias eh, llevaban ya varios meses acá, que habían recibido información, que habían sido eh, clientes de enlace de familia y de otros y de Nueva Esperanza y de otras organizaciones que les brindaron ayuda, apoyo, eh, información, referido, aún con un voucher de vivienda, no podían obtener un departamento. Como yo trabajo en esto de las leyes de la vivienda y luchamos contra la discriminación, lo que se me ocurrió fue crear un grupo de personas, ¿verdad? Para ver, para ayudarles con las llamadas telefónicas. Porque una de las cosas que estaba pasando es que la mayoría de estas familias 
su nivel de inglés es limitado, ¿verdad? Y obvio, también tienen acento al hablar inglés. So, una de las primeras cosas que ocurren es que cuando tú estás buscando vivienda, al hacer una llamada telefónica, pueden rápidamente uh, asignarte un perfil racial por tu acento. Lo cual, un proveedor de vivienda, si es un proveedor que tiene prejuicios, ¿verdad? O tiene miedos, enseguida puede mentir sobre la disponibilidad, puede subir la renta, decir que ya la renta no es 900, sino que es 1,200, eh, cambiar los términos y condiciones, o simplemente eh, colgarles. La mayoría de las veces las familias reportan que no les devuelven sus llamadas, que a pesar de, su, su, de sus esfuerzos de hacer sus llamadas telefónicas, no, re, no reciben una llamada de estos proveedores, que cuando sí hablan con alguien, las personas dicen que no hablan inglés y no les entienden, entonces les cuelgan. Entonces imagínate la, la desesperación, ¿verdad?, de estas familias al saber que ya la ayuda de FEMA se está acabando, al saber que la administración actual no piensa renovar esta ayuda y encima de eso la presión por parte de los hoteles locales donde se están quedando, de que tienen que ya desalojarles. Entonces, el, el solo hecho nada más de yo imaginarme que yo esté pasando esa experiencia con mis hijos fue suficiente para mí decir, ok, aquí hay, hay, tenemos que tomar acción y rápido, ¿verdad? Ahora, cuando yo hice ese post en el Facebook pidiendo ayuda, fue súper sorprendente porque la gran mayoría de las personas que me mensajearon son personas blancas, mujeres blancas. Y eso me impresionó tantísimo, ¿no? Porque yo dije, wow, qué chévere que de estos contactos que yo tengo, rápido fueron estas mujeres que, que me mensajearon. Yo estoy disponible, yo puedo ir, yo puedo hacer llamadas. Una de las personas también que vino es un, un escritor puertorriqueño, Rafael Rodríguez Cruz, si no me equivoco de su apellido. Y él también es abogado. Entonces, fue súper chévere porque nos reunimos todos en la Biblioteca Pública de Holyoke. Yo me comuniqué con las familias, les, les cité para que nos, nos juntáramos allí el sábado. Y también llegó Stephanie. Y todos pues estuvimos en un salón de conferencia. Y entre todos juntos pues nos organizamos para hacer estas llamadas telefónicas. De hecho, fue interesante porque pudimos como presenciar también el resultado de las llamadas. Al estar haciendo estas llamadas, ¿verdad? Pudimos darnos cuenta de que lo que yo estaba diciendo no era mentira. De que, de que hay barreras reales en relación al acento, en relación al voucher, en relación a si tienen un trabajo, qué tipo de ingreso tienen, ¿verdad? Y fue también una oportunidad educativa para nosotros, ¿verdad? Para las personas que vinieron a apoyar, porque aprendieron sobre los derechos civiles en la vivienda, aprendieron sobre las leyes, sobre cómo identificar la discriminación cuando ocurre, cómo documentar. Entonces, yo me sentía súper feliz de poder ayudar tanto a las familias que están necesitando esta ayuda, como también a estas otras personas, activistas, artistas, profesores, personas que donaron su tiempo, eh, madres, you know, madres de familia, para que ellos también conozcan y sepan, oh, you know, yo no estaba consciente de esto, yo no sabía que esto era ilegal. Por ejemplo, ninguno de ellos sabía que era ilegal en el estado de Massachusetts discriminar a alguien por tener un, un voucher de vivienda. ¿verdad? Entonces ahora ya lo saben, para el futuro, cuando estén ellos mismos buscando vivienda o ayudando a otra persona, saben que esto es ilegal y pueden reportarlo. ¿no? We are discussing the activity that Natalie organized for supporting and helping Puerto Rican people displaced from the island that are having difficulties to get a place to live. And that is because the lack of understanding of the system, limitations with language, and because unfortunately they are victims of being profiled because of their origin, because of their accent, because of they have a voucher for housing. So all of this makes even more complicated and difficult for them to get access to housing. So Natalie organized 
to gather volunteers from the community to help these families to make those calls and fill out this paperwork and make this process a little bit more easy for them. And it was so gratifying to see how the result of it was almost instantly. Mm -hmm. So families could get the paperwork done. They could get those calls through because that's another issue. Uh, in many instances, these families, they never got a call back as soon as they were identified like, oh, you have an accent or you sound different or, oh, yeah, the mention of you have a voucher. That was enough reason for not getting a call back when actually is law in Massachusetts and is illegal to discriminate against anyone who has a voucher for housing. Mm -hmm. So this was another great opportunity for learning, not only for benefiting the families, but also for the people who helped and supported that there are many things that we don't know about the rights of tenants mm -hmm. that apply to everybody in the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. So all of these activities, even though they are right now focused on the Puerto Rican people, those are stories that have to do with all of us. Regardless if we were born, raised here, if we belong to a specific ethnicity, nationality, mm -hmm. race group, culture, we are all in this together. And seeing how an activity, an initiative like Natalie did is proof of how much we can accomplish when we work together. Mm -hmm. Yes, and we are still, I'm still looking for volunteers, you know, so I'd like to use this opportunity to call people Uh, if you're interested in helping me with housing search, we need people to do this. The families are still not placed in apartments. They are still looking. They are not going to be able to stay in the hotel beyond May 7th. So they have a very tight deadline to meet. And this is an, an emergency. I would also like to do a call out for property owners, you know, housing providers in this area. If you're listening to this podcast, please, like, you know, think about this. Think about renting to these families. Open your heart, you know, like, this could be you. This could be your family. You know, your ancestors could have gone through this. You know, maybe right now you have stability, you are a property owner, but that's great. But someone, you know, you didn't make it on your own. Someone came before you, so in order for you to be here. So if you are a property owner, if you are a real estate agent, please contact me. I would be happy to introduce you to these families. I would be happy to sit with you and talk about how we can make this work. A lot of these families want to work. They don't want to be sitting around waiting for a handout. They want to work. They want to get trained. They want to learn English properly. And more importantly, they want to be able to live with dignity. They want to have a place to call home. If you don't have a place to call home, everything else will not matter. Because if you're not stable, you can't focus on your work. You can't focus on your school. You can't even cook your own meals. You can't take a shower. That's a basic human right, a basic human necessity. And I, and I feel that not just people like me and people like you and people like Michelle, you know, I urge the mayors to come forward on this. I think the mayors need to talk about this issue. They need to bring attention to this matter because it's really unfair to place this pressure of finding housing on regular people. You know, like this is, this is a public health issue. It has to do with families who might end up sleeping on the street, sleeping in their cars if they're lucky to have a car. So I think this is an opportunity for the whole community to come together 
not just Holyoke, but the entire Western Massachusetts. My understanding is that we have at least 40 families who are living in scattered hotels in our region who are in this same situation. And yesterday, I was able to meet another activist who lives in Connecticut, and she told me the same thing. The same thing is happening in Connecticut as well. Two Puerto Rican families displaced by, by the hurricane, they are going through the same issue. They're not being able to find housing because of discrimination and because of, of, the, of their voucher. So I'll be contacting her and giving her some guidelines and resources in Connecticut too, so that she can help these families. You know, but I think people can no longer continue to turn the blind eye. This is a problem that is going to affect everyone. And this is something that we, we can all come together to fix. So we are talking about different angles of one big, complicated problem mm-hmm. that Puerto Rico has been living for years. So it's not just right now the situation with Maria. This is maybe one of the most tragic moments of this whole history of sad events in different aspects in our community and society. And having Natalie organizing and getting people together to take action, having Michelle documenting, capturing these stories, sharing them, and create this awareness are parts of this process of educating and making the community see and think in a more realistic way, not necessarily just getting fed by by the media and that only single-sided narrative of things. So Michelle, what will be your ideal outcome of this couple of screenings that we're gonna have in Holyoke? So our ultimate goal, well, first off, let me say that Natalie and I are also part of the fundraiser team that's called Reclaim Puerto Rico. And so we will be raising funds for a year and a half. Our ultimate goal is to raise $50,000. And so we do our, at least for this screening, we really want community members to come out and to become educated on this topic. Um, But we do hope that also people come to donate, you know, at any little bit that a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars would go a long way and helping people stay in their homeland and not have to leave everything behind to come over here and start a new life. And as a filmmaker, any plans or ideas to continue creating more pieces like this? (laughs) I think for right now, um, my main focus is to stick with the fundraiser and to continue highlighting these stories on the island. I do plan to go back in a few months Um, to talk more about the fundraiser, try to get people to actually apply for this fundraiser and also capture their stories. So that way we can continue raising money for them. So Michelle Falcon created this documentary, Promesa, and we're going to have the opportunity of seeing it in two screenings, one of them at Holyoke Community College on May 2nd at 11 a.m. And then the next day, May 3rd, at Holyoke Public Library at 6 p.m. Yeah, we, um, the documentary is bilingual and it will have Spanish and English subtitles for people. Um, we will have our two panelists join us from Puerto Rico, so that's really exciting. People will get to uh, ask them questions and listen directly from them as to what's going on in the island right now and you know what are they doing as individuals and as a collective too to overcome the tragedy, right? Of, of living through this through this hurricane and what they're doing, you know, the resiliency too of the Puerto Rican people. 
Right. And I think it's super important to hear directly from, from people that have survived ways that we can help, not only through the fundraiser, but active ways that we can help from over here. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if anyone has a question, um, they can send uh, an email to reclaimpuertorico at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page called Después de Maria, uh, which we can send you the link so you can include as well. Um, and yeah. I mean, great things are happening. You know, we're working together, um, and we're learning a lot, too. We're learning and growing a lot in this process. Michelle, thank you for creating this piece and for sharing it with all of us. I'm pretty sure this will be an eye-opener for many, and not necessarily the people who is not connected with the Puerto Rican culture or with the island, actually. For most Puerto Ricans, from the island or that were born and raised in the United States, we need to tie those knots and make a more cohesive and more connected community because this is the time to make sure that we are, that we are closer. Mm -hmm. And that way of being familia Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can, can be felt across the ocean. And Natalie, thank you so much for all the work and the passion you have for the community. That activity on Saturday is inspiring and goes way beyond of most of the official work that sometimes some institutions have assigned to do. Mm-hmm. And by this, I mean FEMA. So I hope this inspires them to do better and do more. Thank you, Johan. So I want to thank Michelle Falcon, Natalie Vicencio, for being here on this session to talk about PROMESA and all the things happening right now, helping our Puerto Rican families here in Holyoke, in also in the Pioneer Valley. And this is the Radio Plasma podcast. All this information about PROMESA and the screenings is available on our website, radioplasma.com. This session of the Radio Plasma podcast was recorded at Plasma Media Lab here in the Gandara Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.